at $200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, super power. You're the king, I tell you! You're listening to the SNES Podcast with your host, Soul Blazer. Hello everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Super NES Podcast, and this is episode number 169. Uh, as always, this is Greg, joined by my guest host, uh, sorry, guest host, we do have a guest host, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to say co-host, Joe. Um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm already tripping up my words, this is not a good sign. But... I'm the guest that won't go away. <laughs> yes, I, <laughs> I guess technically it's true, yes, but, um, but anyway, yes, uh, guest host, as I mentioned last, last week, we we're once again kicking off five episodes of guest hosts coming up, uh, and for, um, and for this episode... I'm very, I'm very honored uh, to have with us um, uh, a fellow podcaster and also a personal friend of mine, uh, Jawa, to the podcast. So, hello, Jawa. Hello. And this episode, hello. we were looking at one of Jawa's favorite games. Uh, it, as I mentioned before last week, it is a game we've already covered previously in the past, Chrono Trigger. Um, however, uh, I figured it was okay to okay to, to, to look back to, to look at the game again for a couple reasons. One being, which it was a long time ago we covered this game. Uh, some of you, uh, unless you've unless you've been unless you've, unless you've been with the podcast probably since, probably since the very beginning. And man, I can, man, I cannot believe it. That was 2014. I started this already at this point. <laughs> but um, it's been over. Yeah, so it's been over six years since we played and covered this game. So. Uh, a lot's changed since then. Um, you know, new versions of the game are are, are out. Like you know, um, you know, like uh, like new impressions are available. The people I'm talking with have not been on the podcast before talking about it. So you know, I figured like you know, it was okay to make special 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 exception in this case to go back and revisit the game. So um, and as I mentioned before, spoiler: we are planning upon re- revisiting Star Wars games at some point to some point coming up also. So. Uh, once again, you know, it's going to, um, so there's, there's something else that we're going to like revisit us, so you've been warned, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I've been wanting Jawa to come on here and talk about this game for a few years now at this point, but, uh, Jawa's a busy lady, so, <laughs> uh, want to thank you, uh, want to thank you at the get-go here, Jawa, for taking time on your busy schedule to, to come on here and talk about the game with us. Well, thank you for having me, it's, uh, an honor to be here, I have not been on this particular podcast before, so that is fun. No, we have all podcasted together mm-hmm. before on the Old Pleasure to Power podcast where we covered Lunar, so, yes. um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, so because of that, Joe, uh, do you mind taking just a few minutes to talk about a few minutes for the listeners who, listeners who may not know you, a little bit about yourself and why you wanted to cover this game? Sure. So I am a host on DuckFeed.tv's The Level Podcast. It is a kind of roundtable discussion of what you've been playing, some multiplayer questions, um, things that are in current news for video games in general. That's what I usually do. I also sometimes will do bonus levels uh, with one of my co-hosts going in depth on certain video games. Uh, The last one that we did was on Ace Attorney. So we do that kind of thing. I've also been on various other podcasts guest hosting about various subjects. (laughs) I've been on different ones such as uh, Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast. 
uh, PlayStation Power from back in the day, talking about various video games uh, and so on. Usually, video games seem to be where I stay on the podcast field. But insofar as why I wanted to talk about this game, uh, this game was um, very obviously notable in its time frame for just various things that it brought to the genre of JRPGs and also just kind of video games in general. It brought some mechanical uh, attributes and you know just storytelling conceits that really shaped and framed vid- lots of video games thereafter so it's a very formative game that um, in its time frame and ever since like is still still holds up it's a great game so that's why I wanted to pop in yeah that's very well uh, very well that's specifically said so um, why don't you talk about your Super NES experience uh, and also like you know your first when I was like you know when you first played this game your first memories of it etc so I am super weird uh, Greg wanted me to get on this podcast for various different games but I had only gotten unfortunately an SNES really late in its life cycle I already had a PlayStation and a Sega Saturn and I had been playing stuff like Final Fantasy 7 before I even started playing any SNES games and later on like once I got the SNES then I started retro gaming a bunch of stuff but I don't have the childhood memories that a lot of people did because I got it so late in its life cycle and was basically retro gaming it. Um, Chrono Trigger was my very first SNES game and by the time that I played Chrono Trigger like I said I'd been playing things like the Lunar remakes on PlayStation which are basically mostly animated films that you have some agency in and then you've got things like Final Fantasy 7 that I had played and Final Fantasy 7 had only come out a couple of years after Chrono Trigger and it's kind of wacky to think about that now um but like the SNES just had such a long lifespan in Japan that you know um, it's not weird when you look at the market, but it is kind of weird just in retrospect thinking back. So um, I played Chrono Trigger, and I wasn't so sure what I would think about it because again I played you know higher tech newer JRPGs since that point uh, that that game came out, and I went and I played through and I was actually very impressed and surprised by how invested I got in what was going on for this little sprite game you know that was on and at that point antiquated system you know because at that point a lot of a lot of the thrust in the video game market was like just let's get higher fidelity let's get better graphics let's get you know new improved stronger systems so like even though there were a lot of great innovations happening on 16-bit still, everybody was like, 32-bit's it. Like, you know, if you're not playing 32-bit, you know, you're not doing it right or whatever, you know, like, it was a weird, weird way of looking at it, especially when you look at how people play games and enjoy games these days, where, you know, you've got lots of intentional um, 16-bit or 8-bit style games uh, on the market that people seek out. Um... But anyway, yeah, like this game had so many different mechanical um, just innovations that weren't even implemented in some of the games I had played that were newer yet that ended up becoming, you know, regular parts of video games overall. They just became integral to just having a video game thereafter that it was just like, you know... It plays so smoothly, and 
the story, although it just deals in trope upon trope upon trope, it juggles the tropes um, in such a way that it gives you enough agency and it doesn't spend too much time with any one particular trope that it still feels fresh like at every single point when you come across another you know, time-honored thing that maybe has been done to death since, but at the time it wasn't, you know. Like, say, for example, the floating city of mages, Zeal, you know, that kind of a concept has been done so many times since, but I don't feel like it was um, as popular at that point, you know, as it is now where it's been done a lot. And basically, like, the whole idea of Lavos uh, itself and trying to take all the DNA from everybody in the planet in order to, you know, create the perfect evolution. That's Cell from Dragon Ball. Like, that is just... <laughs> he just put Cell in the game. And, like, eventually that's that's where it would be in the Dragon Ball series. But, like, you know, it's, it's very funny looking at all that stuff and um, just how well implemented it is. Like, the pacing doesn't really slow down because even when you get the ability where the world opens up you have the epoch and you can do all the side quests and stuff um it it doesn't slow down the pacing because that's your option to go and do all the side quests or not to mainline it and so that is entirely up to you that the world opens up but you can do what you want so um and just with things such as having New Game Plus, the active battle system, the fact that you can dodge enemies on the playing field and don't just have to walk two, two squares and then suddenly there's another random battle, you know, uh, that you can have those battles happen on the field map rather than having to wait for a loading screen to go to a battle screen to do the battle and then have to go wait for another loading screen to get back to your field screen and then walk two more squares and have another random battle like you know like the, all of these things helped to speed up the gameplay but then uh there were also additions of things like the cooperative text where you've got multiple characters joining their spells and abilities together to do special attacks for extra damage and stuff like that just make it infinitely replayable the new game plus boy that was like the first time i'd ever seen that before uh was in this game and you know it at the time it was one of what what was it greg like two games two games three games that had that there weren't very many well well, if you officially, this game is recognized, um, um, so this game, this, this game officially is recognized as being one of the first, if not the first, to have a new game plus mode. I mean, with video games, it's very, very difficult to say, okay, this is the very first game to have done, mm -hmm. done X. Um, it's almost impossible to be able to say that. And you could make an argument that there were games in the past that also, that also allowed you to do, like, continue playing after the game actually finished kind of like mode but if, but as far as but as far as how we recognize new game plus now these days current trigger was definitely the first game to have that so well and then that's super notable too because of with combining that with the ability to dodge enemies on the map and to have the you know like the battles on the field map and everything all of those um things that kind of speed up gameplay um, make this game that with multiple endings to boot 
you know, that made this game so replayable to where, like, yes, you would go back and replay it, but not because you want to go back through and experience the exact same thing over again. Like, every time you play the game again, it's a different kind of experience because you, you know, you might have greater powers, but then your goals change each time that you're going through. Like, well, now I've got to figure out this one side quest I didn't figure out before. Because when this game came out, people weren't really doing the, you know, walkthroughs and stuff. Um, and people weren't commonly going to them as often as they do these days where everybody's just pulling it up on their phone if they need to, you know? Um, so, like, yes, they, there were, you know, game facts and things like that, but, like, it just wasn't... You wouldn't resort to doing that unless you absolutely got stumped at that, at that point. The gameplay, um, you know, kind of experience was different, I think, back then. So... But yeah, like, my memories of it are mostly, like, having come off of playing, you know, Final Fantasy VII and um, Lunar's remakes on the PlayStation and different things like that. It was interesting to come to Chrono Trigger, which, you know, is for an older system, and then see a game that, you know, holds up to what was being done with these flashier graphics and stuff, because that was so opposite what was being forced down everybody's throats by the game companies at that time. Like, no, you've got to have the better graphics. You've got to have the, you know, the stronger system. And if it's not a stronger system, then it's not, you know, it's not as good a game. It can't be that, that kind of thing. So um, I found myself replaying this game quite a bit. And it's, you know, continued to be one of my favorite games of any genre. And that's really just because, um, they had some really good people working on this game. Really good people who knew what they were doing and, you know, um, combined elements of, you know, each of their experiences to make a game that was very you know, streamlined in how it played and fun, very fun and just entertaining. Like, uh, I was talking to someone this morning about it and trying to explain the basic premise of Chrono Trigger. You can just say, there are some adventurers and they go trying to save the world by traveling through time. Yes, but like if you get into the nitty gritty of it, there's a lot of moving parts in this game and like you are managing seven different time periods and worlds with different types of characters and scenarios. And you know, sometimes you have to puzzle solve by going, well, how do I get this item that this guy won't give me because he's super selfish? Well, now I have to go back in time and talk to his ancestor and do this thing to have a butterfly effect to change how he thinks in the future by just helping out his ancestor or whatever. Like, there's all of this kind of, you know, generational stuff that you have to kind of think about and work with and that that was super out of the box and giving you like a path that was, you know, on rails, right? You have to get to point from a, point A to point B, this is where you need to go next, but letting you decide when you want to go do that or if you want to go back and revisit some other area instead, derp around somewhere, do some leveling. Like, you know, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't forcing it, forcing you to go there, even though you know where the critical path is. And sometimes you could even access some of the areas that are, you know, outside of your um, experience level still, you know, kind of like the Dark Souls approach where you, you can go anywhere you want to. You might die, but then that's when you go, okay, I'm not going to go there yet. You know, I got to go somewhere else first. So, 
So yeah, that's that's what I got on that. How about you guys? What is what are your experiences <laughs> with this game? <laughs> Joe, you first. I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, because uh. Joe actually is the one who played this game new for the uh, like new for like the podcast for mm-hmm. the two of us. So yeah, yeah. Be, so that'd be like fun to hear about. So this is a game that I have attempted two other times. This is very much uh, reminiscent of Lufia last uh, recording. <laughs> um, so I attempted this game numerous times. Um, the three times that I attempted it, uh, I got as far as the first portal opening up and going back in time. And that'd be it. Like, I, I would be on the search for the princess or the, the queen at that time. And, you know, I would, you know, get distracted, forget about it, whatever. Um, the third time, I actually did pretty well, had saved the princess and everything else. And I was ready to go back to my time. And um, I can't remember what it was. I think I was playing on my PSP Go, which is modded. And I was playing the emulator. And it died oh. and I had not saved anything of course because oh. you know I'm notorious for not saving and just plugging away as much as I can so I was kind of discouraged because I had played basically the same section over and over but never got you know any further so this time around I was like well Greg said that the steam version was fixed and I had bought the steam version a couple of years ago so I said well, I said, I'll power it up, and to make sure that I can get through it, I'll download a cheap table and be able to kind of have God mode and, you know, get, go through and enjoy the story and not have to really worry about combat. And I have to say, and then people are going to be bothered by this, but this is kind of <laughs> math for me. Like, it's not, I don't hate it, but outside of, like, it's charming, it's funny, it's even addictive, um, especially, you know, figuring out where you gotta go and, you know, getting wrapped up in certain plot points and whatever else, but, like, and, like, the freedom to be able to make mistakes, you know, and they knew that, like, if you start the game, um, you know, you're supposed to go to the festival, like, they kind of point you in that direction, but if you decide to not go to the festival and you go elsewhere... Like, there's NPCs who are like, oh, you know, let me show you how to do this. And they, they train you up on how to play the game. So, the, you know, the creators obviously knew that, you know, giving you that freedom, there was going to be that, you know, divergence. Anyways, most people love this game. And it's a lot of nostalgia, I think, wrapped up in that. And <clears throat> maybe because it's their first experience with an RPG, um... I don't know, like, I love the aspects of the game as far as time travel. I like the idea of, you know, multiple endings, so I have a reason to play it multiple times. The no random battles thing is fantastic. I mean, there's a few spots where, like, you're forced into combat, but it's not anything horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Biggest issue I had in my gameplay was the race in the future where you have to race uh, what's it Johnny Johnny mm-hmm. Johnny so I raced him five times and every <laughs> single time it was like at the very end like I would use my nitro and try to cross that finish line and somehow he would either bump me or he would get in front of me somehow either way I finally figured it out like you basically just do circles around him and keep boosting until you get to the end um, 
and you got to block them a few times. But yeah, that was pretty frustrating. But outside of that, like this this RPG, and like I said, you know, it's not a slight. You know what I mean? Like I I enjoyed what I played, but it's it's to me it's somewhat generic, but not too generic. So you got your typical, you know, Chrono is just a boy. He's not even a hero. He's a boy. He likes to be a night owl. Clearly, you find that out in the beginning. His mom comes in, opens up the window, lets the light in. He wakes up. He's, he's practically rolling over in bed. He's like, just get out of here. <laughs> and then, you know, he wanders off to the festival. And literally, like, it's all about fate. Like, Marla bumps into him, literally bumps into him at the festival. You know, drops the uh, pendant and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you kind of pal around with her and then you meet Luca and then portal opens and she gets sent back in the past and then like Luca shows up while you're in the past you know and you're trying to figure out like what all that's all about she figured out how to open portals and that's really where the story starts to expand and you find out Marla is actually a princess she's basically Jasmine trying to get out of the castle and visit the common uh, folk and and I'm fine with all those tropes. Like I am okay with everything that that happens there. I'd, and for me, like I thought the one of the most interesting aspects that I dealt with um, was the trial. The trial surprised yeah. me big time. So I went in, and you know, like I'm like whatever. This is like you know going to be like some you know predetermined cutscene or whatever. You know, like I'm not even. Like, I'm paying attention to it, but I'm not. And then, like, all of a sudden, they're like, um, did you pick up the pendant before you helped Marla? And I'm like, what? Wait, wait. Those, <laughs> those things matter? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did I help this little girl and her cat? Like, what? What? You know, did you eat this guy's lunch? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, thankfully, I got a not guilty verdict. But, you know, you still get hauled off to jail. So, I mean, that was, you know, kind of going to happen anyways. But, um, you know... By getting the not guilty verdict and going to jail, you actually gain a few things that you wouldn't have gotten if you uh, had gotten the guilty one because there's actually, you know, guards and stuff who take sympathy on you and whatnot. But, um, you know, then you get out of all that, you go back to your time, and then you deal with the royalty of that whole thing. Or, sorry, that's already in the present. Sorry, that whole thing. Then you go to the future. Um... And then in the future, you find out that, you know, basically the crux of the entire game, Lavos, in 1999, uh, of all years, why they chose that, um, basically destroyed their world, and that's, you know, the future that they're, they're, they're witnessing and trying to change. And that is essentially the rest of the game, is them going through different time periods, um, as Jala pointed out, you know, to basically influence time um, going back and forth to be able to uh, gain your party, gain abilities, and be able to defeat Lavos and uh, make the world a wonderful place. I just... Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying I don't like it. I, I want that to be clear. Um, I just don't think it's the... Oh, holy masterpiece that <laughs> yeah. everyone has claimed it to be for like the past 25 years. And I get it. I really do. 
but not having that nostalgia itch and having nothing to do with this game and just coming into it fresh I uh, to me it's no different than Final Fantasy 7 you know well, it, Final yeah. Fantasy 7 is a fantastic game, but there's a lot of nostalgia that people put on oh, that yeah, game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know what I mean? And again, I like Final Fantasy 7. I like this game, but neither one I look at and go, oh, those are great RPGs. Like, I, there's nothing better. That's just no, not my, I, my personal opinion. I, I so. would not say that Chrono Trigger is like the... Like it, because, okay, whenever you start doing a this is the best... That is right. so subjective that, like, that that doesn't work. You can't have a hands-down, across-the-board, this is unquestioningly the best one, because it might be for you, and it might be, uh, you know, a popular opinion, but that doesn't mean that that is a correct opinion, if you will. Right. Because, you know, like, that, that doesn't... Like, say, for example, what I mentioned was that this game is full of tropes, okay? And they have been done to death since. And, mm -hmm. you know, even at the time, it was still trope. It was a trope for a reason. That means yep. it's been right, done right. a lot. So, like, if those tropes don't hit for you, you know, or the combination or how they deal with them, and the fact that, like, you know, in, in the game, they don't deal with grandfather paradox at all, you know? Right. Like, that that's not really <laughs> a thing. You know, so, like, people who really like time travel stuff might hate this game just on right. the basis that, like, it doesn't really treat in, you know all of those aspects so you know like it's very possible that you go through this game and go okay well yeah it's fun to play but it's not my jam you know definitely right. you know um it's just that for me when i was playing it because uh, like you know it's it's hard to separate a game from its time period and i didn't have um you know super big amounts of nostalgia for it because it had already been out for a little bit before i'd even gotten to it and i'd played other things since but yeah, like yeah. Um, every other JRPG from around that era was pretty much like the direct path. You get, you go from this town to this town, and there is nowhere else you can go except to that town. Right. You right. know, there's, you know, a very super critical path. There's not any jumping around. There's not management of as many moving parts as there are in this game. I'm a person who thrives on variety. I mm. love variety in video games. Give me a lot of verbs give me a lot of uh, capacity to explore. I love exploring. Yeah. Let me wander around. I will break, I break so many games by wandering around and going places <laughs> I'm not supposed to go yet. And like that breaks games left and right. I have exited yep. levels right. so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I have personally seen this. Yes. <laughs> I do. And like, you know, like I booted up, I was talking about this um, kind of recently, but like I booted up, um, Chronicles of Riddick, uh, Escape from Butcher Bay, and I was playing that, and in the first five minutes, I had tried several different ways to, you know, do something different, like, you know, here's Riddick getting off the spaceship and going with Johns to the prison. You're supposed to just go with Johns into the prison, but what do right. I do? I try to kill Johns, and then I break <laughs> the game. I try to escape, and I get to a place where I can't get killed by the, the you know, guns and stuff, and I break the game. I kill the guy who's supposed to help me, and I break the game. I run back into the ship. Like, I, everything you could possibly do except for the critical path is what I'm doing. So, right, like, the right. ability to wander in Chrono Trigger was amazeballs. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the, the tropes, you know, again, like, the tropes are kind of hit or miss. There's definitely parts of the game that I like better than others because certain 
tropes or certain eras or whatever appeal more to me than others. And right. definitely for me, the nadir of the game when I played it the first time was that whole bike part with Johnny. I was so mad. And you can just walk across <laughs> and just get past that whole part and not even really do that part. But like, yeah. um, you know, like that part, I could not... Like I, I played that so many times the first time I played it and just was just frustrated and banged my head. I, and it was funny because I figured that it was going to be hard when I play, replayed the game, you know, for this show. And it wasn't. Like, I went through and I beat him on the first try and was like, <laughs> I remembered that being like a sticking point for me. And I absolutely right. hated it. And that made me hate every other bike part in any, like, because Final Fantasy VII also had a bike part. And I hated yes. that bike part. Yep, and like, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean like it it's it kind of set me up for just hating all bike parts in any game that had a racing segment. Um, cuz for some reason that was a, a short-term you know fanatic thing that everybody was sticking right. in there. But yeah, but like I I definitely understand that and it's not like, you know, like even though it's one of my favorite games, um it's just because of the certain aspects of it that appeal to my disposition as a gamer. Um you know, like definitely there, there's room for all kinds of opinions on this. And I'm actually very glad that, you know, you say that, yeah, you enjoyed it, but it's not your cup of tea because I, it, you know, if everybody was just like, oh yeah, this is the best game ever on this podcast, then you don't right. really have any room for discussion. It's just a lot of agreeing with each other. And that's and not, you know, that's just patting each other on the back. Congratulatory. Yeah, yeah. Congratulatory. And it's like, eh, no, I'd rather and have some, and to be fair, there is an asterisk there. Um, yeah. I was talking to Jala off uh, off air earlier, and basically confessed that, like, you know, not only did I cheat my way through this, but also, like, I got to Spicchio, and like, I did like laps around, and I got like my first set of magic, and that was basically it. Then I went straight to Lavos. Yeah, I picked, <laughs> I, I picked the wrong portal, and I went straight to Lavos. So, like, to be fair, like, I played like the bare minimum yeah. yeah of the game and technically from what i saw online if i would have beaten lavos which keep in mind i dedicated three hours to fighting <laughs> each different form of lavos i finally got to his final form and i was like oh i have to record in 20 minutes and had to just control alt delete and close the uh, the game because I, I i can't save i'm stuck in the middle of the boss battle and it was like the final form like, I was about to see the end. You know, they get <laughs> married. Spoiler. Uh, but, you know, it's like, I I was so close and yet so far. And then, like, there's so much game after that, you know? Oh, there is. Because so. really, really, it's after you get past the end of time when you first get there that the game starts to open up and give you that breathability yeah. and that kind of, like, really um, fun adventuring kind of thing where it's like, now the world's opened up, and right when you get to the end of time, there's some extra portals that open up, but it it doesn't say you have to go directly to anywhere. Like, right. usually in a right. regular JRPG, somebody says, or like the dude Gaspar at the end of time would be like, you've got to go to this place. And he, he <laughs> does say, well, you might want to go revisit the places you've been before. Right, right, right. But, and, you know, like, that's just like a hint, like there might be something different there. But, like, he doesn't tell you, you've got to go back to 2300 AD or anything. Like, you, you right. just pick where you want to go next. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, well, now I can go somewhere. What, what do I want to go do? 
So, and yeah, there's a, a direct path. Like obviously, the new time period you haven't been to yet is the next right, place that you right. need to go on the critical <laughs> path. But you're allowed to go wherever, and it's encouraged to explore because there are things that are different when you go back, and there are things that will kind of influence what happens next. Um, because as you noted with like the trial, there are a lot of parts where if you talk to certain people or if you decide to do one thing or another or tell them, uh, respond to somebody in yeah. one way or another, that will change yeah. stuff in the game. And that's really where it starts to open up and really breathe. Before then, yeah. it is super critical path. And, you know, like it, it's so much better when you have the ability to go from time period to time period and having that hub at the end of time and then later on having the time machine the epoch where you can just circumvent even having yeah. to go to that hub that makes it so much better so yeah, yeah. and then that's the thing like my in my opinions um I, I want like i said with an asterisk this is like first-hand account this is my experience for like the first like three hours of the game well and that's <laughs> you know what i mean of a 30-hour epic game so, yeah. you know, this is like a, a hot take, uh, <laughs> a hot first take, more than anything else. So, you know, well, I, I know I, some people will be upset, uh -huh. with, you know, with my comments, but, it, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure down the line, in another six years, I will have finally finished the game. And <laughs> Greg, Jala, and I can get together and we'll talk about it, you know, again. complete yes. once again. <laughs> Right. Well, it's always well, fun to talk to somebody who has like the first like take on the podcast, uh, the, the, the podcast like, like for games. So, Joe, uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I remember when I was first playing this game, I was not sold on it during that first segment. So, like, what you're telling me, Joe? Like, uh, guess who looked in the bucket also, but was a low level at that time and totally right. died to Lavos. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes, guess who did do that exact same path that you did yeah. and uh, yeah i did that on my first playthrough of this game and i remember especially like i really did not like the future at all i didn't like the future i didn't like the robots i didn't like anything that was going on there um yeah. and so i did not dig that at all and so i was kind of meh about it mm. uh, like there were things about it that i like and i was still curious but like it was after the time time end of time thing opened up and i could go to different eras um after you get past, like, there's another section where you have to go back into the past, and that time period um, is still, still feels kind of like a super critical path, but right after that, that's when it starts opening up. It opens up more and more as the game goes, and yeah. that's, it made it better as the game progresses, um, and it sucked me in kind of like middle to halfway, you know, like middle to like a little bit further than that like especially after you get the time machine and can fly anywhere at any time right, and right. can fly around the fly around the map without having to be walking around the map screen yeah. um and then also going from time period to time period as you felt inclined was great and um again like i'm somebody who loves traversal give me great traversal and it's you know one of my most exciting yeah. things <laughs> let me let me wander i will be happy with that so, anyway, that that's a very prolonged thing, though. Greg, we have not heard from you about your <laughs> memories about this game. We know that you exist, Greg. It is your time <laughs> to shine. Tell us all about what you had for your experiences with Chrono Trigger. That's okay, because, like, you know, like, I knew that you were going to be chatty, so I was, uh, that's fine, but... <laughs> um, 
So I think so. I was actually exposed to this game shortly after it came out, and like, and just to kind of, so just kind of drive home what Joe was saying earlier. Uh, this was a late Super NES release. It, it wasn't. It, um, it wasn't. It wasn't the last game for the system. There were some. There were some 1996 uh, SNES games like Space Mario RPG and whatnot. So, but it was. It was late. This came out in, in North America in August of '95. The, the PlayStation. The PlayStation came out over here a few weeks after that. So. I mean, so this was like a late game. So, yeah. um, but so I saw so I saw it in a friend's house. Uh, but for some reason, I for some reason I never bought it, which is strange to me because I'm like I was already by that time I was already like a big JRPG fan because you know I grew up playing Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy uh, by NES and uh, um, you know and playing like Final Fantasy Final Fantasy four and six and like um, Secret of Mana and other another classic RPGs on the Super NES. But I just never got this game for some reason. Hmm. I think the main reason, the main reason, the main reason for that was because I, by this point I was already in college, and like you know, as any college you can tell you, money's tight. So, right. um, and this was not a cheap game when it came out. So, um, but so I, I so, so like so I was like, okay, the game looks fine. It's like you know, I saw I saw enough of the game, but I didn't really. Without hey, without without hands-on experience, I didn't actually get the chance to actually get to actually find out why people loved it so much. So, um, around around '98, I think Joe and I actually first came to play this game around the same time period. In like in like late '98, uh, I was in grad school at, at that point. Emulators were starting to become like very very good at that point. So. Uh, so there were a bunch of Super NES and Genesis games and whatnot. And I was like, whatnot I was firing up and checking out. Um, one of the ones, I, one of the first games I checked, I checked out was Chrono Trigger. So I sat down, sat down. I think it was actually through a weekend. I, I, I uh, weekend. I just, just played through an entire weekend um, and played the game from play the game from start to finish. So it was like it was still a few years removed from release, but it was still like fresh enough experience because because I was because I was still using my Super NES at that point. The Super NES was still hooked up. So um, you know. I actually did not get a PlayStation until like right about the same time period. Actually, it was like maybe like um, you know like early early in '98, winter the winter '98. That actually that actually finally finally got my PlayStation. Uh, Played a couple games for it, and like so, you know, I always like the game, but as usual, seems to be the case when we guest host on here. My opinion of the game is kind of it. It kind of sits like in the middle, like both of you, because I'm like I think this is a good game. I don't think it's a great game. Um, I just that and the and, and so and so, so as you folks were saying nostalgia is a big part of it. Yes, um, but it's also for me it's like the problem the, the problem with trying to compare this game is that as Joe and I talked about last week last week with Lufia another another another, another, another Super NES RPG the bar set so high in the system for RPGs because it's like mm-hmm. a dozen at <laughs> least probably more RPGs on the system that are all very very good because. Yeah. This was uh, because the system, the system, the system was the go-to place to go to if you if you enjoyed RPGs for sure. So it's like, and just like the bar set so high, it's like if this game come out and it come out on any other system, where the competition wasn't like wasn't as bad, it probably would be bought even higher than it is today, which is to say something about the game. But um, it's like. I think this is a good game, and like you guys were saying, it, it, this game does do a lot of unique things. It's a very fun game, um, but I just enjoy Final Fantasy four and six better because I think that you know, yes, nostalgia is probably a part of it, part of it there for me. But I think those games, uh, and say, it's also it's also saying something all saying something about those games like maybe some companies where. Uh, um, uh, SquareSoft, um, which is now Square Enix. So it's like, it's, it's like a lot of this. In fact, a lot of in fact, a lot of the same people worked on like the same games. So mm-hmm. it's like, like I said, like I said, the bar is set so high. It's like you know, 
But because of the fact that, but this game does do enough unique different things to it that really make it stand apart from like say a Final Fantasy or any other kind of game because of the multiple endings, new game plus mode, um, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, well not, well not the turn time system, the actual, the actual, the actual like able to see enemies on enemies on the map. I think this is the first JRPG I played that actually gave you the option, which is which is all standard these days. There's there's no JRPG I'm aware of these days that actually does random battles like anymore. But mm. uh, because uh, I've also been playing, you know, at the same time you know same time I was playing this for the podcast. I've also I've also been playing Dragon Quest Eleven, uh, which is also which is a, which was also fun to be a fun to compare and contrast a modern JRPG with something like from this time period of the 90s and just see how things something's the same as it something's the same and something's different so it's like um, in many ways this game is very but this game is very ahead of its time because of the because of the no reign of battles multiple endings new game plus mode etc etc right. because there were a lot of things Dragon Quest 11 has all these things like for example so uh, you know uh, multiple characters and whatnot so it's very very ahead of its time it's like um and I, and so the thing, the things, the things, the things that struck with this game, the, the, the things that struck with me about this game the most is that uh, the beginning of the game, a lot of games will throw you to, a lot of games will throw you right to a main quest, like you know, okay, you're a destined, you're a destined hero, you're the savior, blah blah blah, whatever. Dragon Quest Eleven does that too, like to a degree as well. Right. But it's like, not this game. This game, this 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 game, just like okay, you know, you're a kid, you know, there's a festival going on, have fun at the festival, you know, oh, there's a Oh, they can make a friend. There's new. There's new. There's new exhibit being shown up. Whoops! The friend just got tossed back in time. So, um, it's like it, 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 it's like the way the game starts is actually like very cool in that regard. And also speaking about time travel, like I love time travel. Like any kind of any kind of franchise or story or whatever that has time travel in it is something I'm going to be like a sucker for because it's one of the reasons I became a big Star Trek and Doctor Who and Terminator fans because of time travel that those that the, the, the franchise mm-hmm. uses. So. Um, it, it doesn't bother me that they're playing. Um, it, really, it really doesn't bother me that they're playing like fast and lose the time travel rules like in this game. It's like you know, like um, the time travel is fun. You know, the, like being able to hop back in time to do various time periods. And so much of this game, as you guys mentioned already, is optional. It's like, uh, it's like really like, appreciate because, um, yeah. So that uh, yes, I yes, I definitely that definitely like, a great thing like about that. And like um, the graphics are very very good for a Super NES game. It's like the, it's like you know, it's like. It's like especially like the, um, the the magical kingdom. Um, drawing a blank on the name of it, just like right now. Uh, Zeal. Zeal, mm-hmm. yeah. The gra- yeah the graphics in Zeal beautiful. It's like it's like really some of the best the best era, the, the best areas of the game I thought. Um, the music is also the music is also top notch because next to next to I I, I feel next to a shooter. Um, and an RPG needs to have needs to have great music. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, just otherwise, just gonna be like a, a flat experience. Agreed. So. Um, and two and, and two very dedicated people and two very talented people work together to make the soundtrack for this game. And it's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah, it's like again, I think Final Fantasy music is a bit better, but the soundtrack for this game is really, really, very good. There's a lot of there's, there's a lot of like very memorable pieces that stuck out stuck out my like my head like this game. So, yeah, that's one of the things um, I wanted to point out was like the music and the graphics of this game is to me is what stands out more than anything else. I mean, yes, yes it's yeah, unique, yeah. but you know, this is like. Late SNES at its prime, like they were mm-hmm. pushing it as hard as they could, and they said, "This is how good we can get these graphics on this system before we bow out and go to you know 32 bits." And then right. uh, and the uh, the score is amazing. I yep. I, I need to get the soundtrack. <laughs> Bottom I, line, <laughs> I have the soundtrack and I listen to it when I do working out or whatever. Mm, like I yeah. love the soundtrack. 
And not only that, but like the sheer amount of, you know, emoting that happens with the little sprite mm. sprites is just mm. yeah. great because they're like, well, we're up against other systems that have better graphics. You know, you've got your Dorito men in the Final Fantasy VII that you can go see the Dorito <laughs> men doing their thing and their little cutscenes, you know, with their stilted graphics. But, like, that's that was so cutting edge at the time. So, right. you know, they did all of their emotes direct on the screen. Instead of doing cutscenes, they did, you know, like, let's just use the sprites. And that is something that, it, you know, was not done. I mean, it was sort of done, but not to the degree that they're using it in this game. Mm. Um, I, I can't remember very many games, sprite games, that did that kind of a thing. Now, these days, you know, sprite artists do all kinds of stuff, you know, and do that regularly now. But this was pretty formative to just, like, the showing the capacity for um, getting across emotions and stuff with sprites. Like, um, when they later on added the full you know animated cutscenes and stuff for the ds version i didn't like those uh i actually preferred it when it was in the sprite art in engine mm. it looked you know um to me it looked you know more in line with what was going on with the rest of the game and they're like in lunar okay this is a good compare contrast lunar has the animated cutscenes, but there's like hours of cutscenes versus like three minutes right. of cutscenes in Chrono Trigger. And that makes a big difference because if you're seeing it all the time, then it seems cohesive to the rest of the game. If you're seeing it every few hours, you see like a few minutes or like a few seconds, not even minutes, a yeah. few seconds of animation, then you're like, that's weird because then they also left in the sprite animation right. so you watch it animated and then you watch the sprites doing the same thing and it's like that's weird and stilted you know <laughs> like it, it wasn't it wasn't too uh exciting for me so i, I was not a fan of the cutscenes. yeah i actually added. right I actually yeah i actually i actually feel a bit different to think about that i agree with you that um so i agree with you the presentation the further the cutscenes is not the best but you know i but you know but you know, i really enjoyed the cutscenes being added later versions of the game because I'll talk about this a bit later on. I, I've experienced some of the other ver versions of the game too, but um, it's like it's like for me. The, yes, they, they could be done better, but I'm but I'm always the kind of person like more is better. Like you know, like like you know, like you know, just give me extra stuff, uh, extra stuff to add on to things. Like I'm usually all over because I because like you know, I get another like to get another square comparison. But they did that at Final Fantasy Tactics. The original game didn't have didn't have animated cutscenes, but when but when they came out with War of the Lions several years later, they added in some cutscenes that really enhanced the game. I thought, really, like it really helped to help to help embellish several plot points of the game. I kind of think Crow Trigger did, did, did the same too of that. But um, I mean, I don't blame anybody for saying it kind of it kind of destroys the purest look of the game. But you know, I really enjoy the uh, the, uh, the extra content. Um, well, you know, I think that's that's the thing is is that you know there's so much of it that's just subjective. It's not like I'm gonna sit here and say your your opinion of this is invalid. It's a thousand percent valid. It, you know, like. It, I could see people enjoying those cutscenes um, just because it gives you a different perspective. It gives you more detail than what the sprites do and so on. But just for me, I think, um, you know, I just like the kind of, it, it feels more cohesive without them. And, you know, because that's how the game was originally designed was without those little cutscenes. I'd rather, um, 
see those cutscenes as like bonus material at the end of the thing or on new game plus maybe but not like on the first playthrough <laughs> you know i don't know it just it just felt kind of weird like give me that as an optional extra not like a yeah you definitely have it in there and then you have it have the sprite version going because then it's just like well now i kind of just want an animated version of chrono trigger that's updated because people have been <laughs> wanting that people have been wanting that for years and years so yes yeah, and, and yeah. as, as yeah, much we'll as we'll talk about that like a bit later on too about like Square's zealous zealous efforts to protect the franchise. So, oh, I but. know, but like um, you know, the thing is, is that as much as I really, really enjoy this game, something that I feel about it is that I don't want a remake. I like the game as it is. I I feel like a remake would not be able to do justice to what they had done in the original because Chrono Trigger started to define a, a path for video games to take thereafter and that path has been taken since you know and run with and you know now they are just assumed parts of the genre or of video games in general <laughs> or of sprite making you know and to try and do chrono trigger over now you can't divorce this game from its time period that it came from you know like it it would still be a fun game but it wouldn't be a great game if it were remade now because you can't it wouldn't have the innovations that it had at the time period it wouldn't have you know any of that that impact it would just be you know reliving the greatest hits you know and that right. that falls flat for me in particular. And that, honestly, I, I would not want that. That reminds me of why Chrono Cross wasn't that great as a quote-unquote sequel. Oh, I thought about that, but... <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, Joe, I, I, uh, I definitely agree with you. The enhanced, the, the enhanced version of the game, the, the enhanced version of the game that one can buy now is very good because, uh, very good because, like, we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, I think, but the, 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 the but, but, but I enjoy all the added stuff the game has. A full remake of this game... Uh, you know, all the Final Fantasy VII or Resident Evil 2 and 3 is not really needed. Um, and it really wouldn't... It, 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 like, it really wouldn't add anything like to the game experience. So, mm -hmm. but... Um, but yeah, but but yeah, replaying the game uh, uh, now, I picked up I picked up a couple of things that I really didn't... I really didn't pick up the first time playing this game, the game through all those years ago for some reason for some reason like or another. But it's like... It's like you guys mentioned Final Fantasy VII earlier. Um, you just, you know, just another comparison... And I didn't. I never thought about this uh, 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 until uh, um, until playing this again. But and I played this game after I already ha I already finished Final Fantasy VII. So, um, but it's like I was struck by how similar this game is. The, 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 uh, how similar this game is in some ways to Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. You know, especially like you know Lavos versus Jehovah. In both yep. games, right. you have like a par an alien parasite coming down to planet and like causing a great disaster and just sitting there for thousands of years, just sucking up it. You're second up, just second up, like life energy, and is eventually, eventually going to destroy the planet. But it's mm -hmm. like, it's like, and, and it's like, and, and, and I'm like, how did I not like to make that connection? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, but uh, to be guys blatantly obvious, uh, obviously uh, about that. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, and also the fact that um, I think this is only, I think this is the only JRPG, as a matter of fact, that still to this day, speaking about like you know groundbreaking things, you the main character in this game, Chrono. He actually dies. Yeah. Not, yep. not only die, you can not not, not only does he die, you can beat the game without getting him back if you want to. Yeah. It's like you know, <laughs> that's just like that that's just like mind blowing. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like it's like I cannot think of a game even to this day that does that because like a main character you don't you know, it's like 
I mean, character like, I mean, character like, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter if it's a book or a movie or whatever, you don't care about character. I mean, like, you know, traumatize the main character, sure. You know, like, um, you know, beat him up a lot, uh, absolutely. But, you know, actually kill him, but, so. Well, that's funny that you say that because there is an old manga series, Yu Yu Hakusho, where the main character dies. That's the, the very first panel. He's dead. And <laughs> uh, he, he's a ghost. And then stuff happens from there. But, like. Interesting. Okay. And that was made specifically because the uh, artist slash author uh, wanted to start off his thing with, you know, the character dying. <laughs> and so, actually, my own comic, Say L'Amour, begins with the main character dying as well uh, for much that's the true. same yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry, continue. Oh, no, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I was almost done. I was also going to say, like, you know, um, um, you know, like... Uh, uh, I was also I was also struck playing this game also uh, also with the fact that just how much and I guess and I guess this really isn't shocking considering the games came out came out like you came out like a, a year or two apart but this game this game plays a lot like Final Fantasy VI as far as the graphics and the, mm-hmm. the graphics and the text style mm-hmm. the presentation and whatnot I mean like it feels like it feels like, it feels like the same engine for the engine that Final Fantasy VI uses just kind of like you know souped up a little bit so mm-hmm. and you know I'm um, especially that. That, that's very true. That's very true in the original, I mean, in the original Super NES version. The the, the enhanced version that's available now that's changed a bit um, as far as the as far as the presentation goes. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking again, going like, man, this, man, this, man, this, I, I never realized before just how just how much it has in common. Like it has a common like Final Fantasy VI. But again, it's like SquareSoft in this time period, the, the, the early mid '90s, they could do no wrong. They were hitting everything with like all cylinders at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything the company did was gold. You know, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't really matter what what system it was for, what the game was. You know, it was a great game. So it's like the, the people, the people who work on this team. There's reasons we're called this dream team. There's, there, there's no way that the, a caliber of this, uh, this cast is ever going to get together again for anything. I, I, I don't think because um, for, for the, like, like for various reasons. But it's just like so you just have a unique combination of people at the right time, the right time, the right place, the right. The right company backing it up. It's really so. They really, they really put a lot of effort and uh, uh, effort and money into this game, and it shows. It's like, and they, uh, I mean, the game sold very well. Also, I couldn't find, I couldn't find any modern sales figures. But my, but, 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 but my best estimate is like, all together, this game between the Super NES original and the um, enhanced versions is probably sold worldwide around like you know, forty five million copies. But. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's a reason this game's done extremely well. I mean, is the game overhyped a little bit? We can, you know, we can oh, argue sure. that. But the, at the same time, uh, like basically, because this dream team worked on the Final Fantasy series, Dragon Quest, and all these other things like that, you know, uh, it's a hundred percent valid for anybody to be like, well, I liked what they did in you know Final Fantasy 6 better I like what they did later on in Final Fantasy 7 or whatever like you know like you there's definitely a lot of cross DNA they are dealing with the same concepts and ideas because it's the same creators doing different things in combination with different partners right so like you know they're getting influences from each other and from just whatever they're thinking about at the time and so, like, all of that cross-pollination develops different types of iterations on themes that were common for their works. But, like, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I wouldn't, you know, poo-poo anybody who says that they like Final Fantasy VI better than they like Chrono Trigger. I'd be like, well, cool. You know, like, and what? You know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's definitely... It's really, really fun to think about 
what all was coming out uh, extant, like, you know, at the same time as, or a little bit before, or a little bit after, and then how um, the decisions that were made with each combination of new team and new project, you know, like how those decisions played out were iterated, you know. Yeah, exactly, so. yes. One last thing also I noticed this time around, um, there are a lot of games, a lot of games like with the bad enemy, a bad enemy, or a bad enemy, or which there is an enemy in the game, a game, like a game, a game, which getting the, which getting the name like Mother Brain, but um, which like Metroid obviously, but it's like you know there's also like Fantasy Star Two, and you know like um, you know like the, uh, the Wild Arms series, the, the Wild Arms series, the, the, uh, another RPG series like as a, like a character called Mother, just like. It's like wow, like Mother Brain's being used a hell, you know, heck of a lot, isn't it? <laughs> but <laughs> um, yep. yeah, I, yeah, I, I just never cut up the, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I just just never made that connection like in the past. But um, but yeah, so. yeah, I don't think that the the Mother Brain in this one is not my favorite iteration of a Mother Brain concept. But no, um, because I like so. yeah, it's definitely secondary. Um, I do like one thing that I do think is that in this game they definitely have favorite characters like the creators had favorite characters and those characters got more pathos and more you know like development than other characters did um and because chrono is a silent protagonist he's just kind of stuck uh, and doesn't have anything because this is still the era of all the silent protagonists <laughs> for a he lot of the get, games like you know yeah he does get two lines in one of the endings so yeah yeah, yeah. oh god he said two lines guys. <laughs> two lines yes there's all of his character right basically you know yeah. like he's, he's just you know he's a cipher for the player yeah um, exactly yeah so but but anyway yeah so um but yeah, like uh, Robo, for example, and Luca, they are the two characters that I think the creators just absolutely adored. And Luca is like the whole, like this game wouldn't happen if it weren't for Luca. Exactly. Because that that's just a fact. And um, Chrono Cross, I, I did not play Chrono Cross, but uh, it is my understanding that Luca also is like a formative and important part of what happens in that game, like, you know, for one or another mm -hmm. reason. So, you know, like, Luca is, like, their, their favorite character. To the point that she is the only character that has a last name in this game. Nobody else has a, a last name, but she is Luca Ashtier. Oh, yeah, you're and right. she is the only person who has a last name. Nobody else has a last name. So. <laughs> I actually never noticed that. A good catch. Yep. yep. So. And, like, Robo definitely was one of my favorite characters just because of, like, the decisions that they do and the time that they invest in this character, you know? Like, they spend a lot of time with this character. I was going to say, do, yeah, with actually. the time that I had with the game, Robo was the most fleshed-out character that I got to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I actually really liked yeah. his little story arc where, like, you know, we bring him yeah. back to life and he's working with us, but then, like, the, the you know, he was originally evil and his other robots that, you know, he's happy to see him they're his friends, but then they basically are like, oh, you turned on us and basically beat the crap out of him <laughs> Yeah and like, yeah. he has a lot more story later on, like, um, you have the option for, one of the optional quests is to um, basically restore a forest um, for a particular lady and that kind of like changes the map this entire area of the map for one of the regions of the game um, and Robo can stay behind and spend 400 years restoring the forest and then he's broken down when you find him again and then Luca fixes him again and then he's like it's fine because you know we were able to to heal everything right. 
and then he also has another time, you know, like the, the part with Mother Brain where um, his robot girlfriend, Otropos, which is a pink robot, the only pink robot with a purple ribbon. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a good side quest to do, regardless of what you think about Robo, because uh, Otropos gives um, Robo her ribbon, which speeds him up, and he needs that desperately because he is very slow. Uh, but anyway, like, uh, she's been brainwashed by Mother Brain and then ends up having to be fought against and dies. And, you know, like, you have to stop Mother Brain because Mother Brain is trying to kill the remaining humans. Mm. And that's what that whole narrative is about. So, like, one of the endings, the happy endings, um, is where Robo and his girlfriend Atropos are both alive in the future and are fine, you know, and happy sitting on a cliff watching the epoch fly by. So... Yeah, my so, actual yeah. favorite character in the game is actually like probably like Frog because I like, love like, Frog too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, the story is good. His character, I, his character, his character, his character, character is something is something I could actually like relate to a lot because it's like here's somebody who had a great tragedy. You know, he's physically been changed as well too. It's a constant reminder, like in the past. You know, but at first it's like, nah, I don't want anything to do with this but you know eventually he finds the strength to be able to to, to, to comfort he finds strength to be to, to find strength to be able to, to, to confront his past and to be able to try, try to change things make things like the better so um and and most of the endings he actually is a frog there's only like the um there's only a few endings i think are actually like he gets like turned back to human so mm-hmm. um it's like you know it's, it's like a pertinent reminder like the pertinent reminder like the like the pain and suffering that he faced in the past so um yeah which i you know, which that person I can really like relate to. So, um, so Joe, yeah, what's your his, favorite character? Uh, uh, well, a lot of frogs, a lot of frogs' uh, whole mo is that he just doesn't have the confidence. And mm-hmm. he, as a human, like, because basically, uh, frog story is such that he used to be a human. He grew up with Cyrus, who was the knight of the realm and like the hero, famed hero, and he ended up basically being Cyrus's squire and was like helping Cyrus with stuff. Cyrus kept on telling him, you need to be a knight. And Cyrus or Glenn was like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't think I have the courage to do what needs to be done or whatever. And so he, since from the very, very beginning, he's been struggling with self-confidence issues. And even as a frog, he gets transformed into a frog when his uh, friend Cyrus dies. And so like, you know, he just is, remains super self-conscious, but then ends up, you know, finding the strength and, um, you know, like avenging his friend and saving, you know, the queen and all of that. But um, his whole arc is is interesting because, yeah, you're right. Like, there's a lot, you know, you, you expect with all the other things that have happy endings here that, you know, like that frog is going to get his form back, but that doesn't happen. Actually... Probably my favorite character is not even one of the main characters. So if you want to specify main character versus <laughs> not main character, uh, my favorite character is Shala. Shala, who okay. gets yep. the shortest end of the stick in the whole. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Shala yeah. is the daughter of uh, Queen Zeal, who was, you know, uh, the person who first decided to um, take Lavos and try to manipulate. Lavos in order to gain eternal life and ends up being the one to bring you know destruction to everything and Shala is trying to you know she's torn between her love of her mother and her uh, younger brother who ends up being Magus uh, and then wanting to help you know stop her and is 
trying, but ends up, you know, like, variously dying, getting absorbed by Lavos, all different kinds of bad things happen, but she never, ever, ever gets a good ending. It's always a bad, bad ending, no matter what. And Magus's whole point is he wants to avenge, you know, his family and whatever on Lavos and kill Lavos, but also he wants to go find his sister, and that's, like, his whole shtick. Um, but I actually, you know, most people attach to Magus, I don't attach to Magus. I attach more to Shala. I actually, you know, feel for her because that's that's pretty rough. But um, insofar as, like, main cast characters, I would say either Frog or Robo. It just kind of goes back and forth um, for one of the male characters because even though Robo is a robot, the Robo has, you know, like, uh, male, you know, um, pronouns and whatever and whatever. So, um but also for the female characters, I actually like Isla, the um, super um, cave woman <laughs> lady who beats everything up. She doesn't get magic because she's like from way before magic was a thing, but she's um, super notable because, you know, this was at a time period when it was hard for me to find any strong female archetypes anywhere that don't cop out at some point and need to be saved by a man. <laughs> like there's like Xena, that's about it. <laughs> like, so, uh, you know, like there's, and then, you know, like, um, uh, also Sarah Connor and things like that. But like, you know, it's, it's few and far between most of the time and, you know, they have to be bailed out or they change their, they fundamentally change or something and turn into, you know, weird girly tropes. But Isla is just, you know, strong and, you know, she is the leader of her village. She has, you know, like, um, her love interest, who's, you know, like, self-professed to be, like, no, she's she's strong, I'm weak compared to her, I can't even, you know, like, she's the <laughs> dominant person, she, you know, uh, like, even in the endings, like, there, you know, she basically just, like, forces him to, <laughs> to get married to her, and it's great, because, like, that's just, like, her personality or disposition, and as a go-getting female who is physically strong, I'm a personal trainer among various things that I do. Like, I, I can relate a lot to that. And at the time, I was nowhere near, like, the personal trainer that I am today or anything like that. But, like, a lot of the disposition, like, with the strength, the leadership qualities, fearlessness. Like, she is one of the cheeriest characters, but also fearless. You know, will just jump out there and be like, nope, we gotta go do this thing. And I'm, I'm 100% down with that. So I respect that quite a bit um, as well. So yeah, awesome. like I said, with my experience, like Robo's kind of the the character you know I attach to. Mm -hmm. But having seen some of the endings and knowing how things are going to progress, I'm really interested when it comes time to follow Luca's story because it seems yeah. like uh, it really involves her family to the point where like you can like prevent her mother's accident, which changes a whole bunch of yeah. stuff. So I'm really excited to, you know, dig deeper in the game and get to, you know, know the other characters. So this way, Robo is not really the main character that I'm attached to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, Luca, I think, like, Luca was definitely the creator's favorite character, I yeah. think. But um, I f it feels to me like, in a lot of ways, even the characters in the game kind of just take her for granted. And it's... It's weird, because, like, I really like... The thing is, it's kind of hard, because I really like Luca. I like Robo. I like Frog. I like Isla. You know, uh, Madge is... Uh, 
I don't know. I think he might have been my favorite when I was younger, but like, you know, I've grown up since then and <laughs> like my my dispositions have changed, you know. Um but like it, about the only thing I can say is that Marl has never been my favorite character. Yeah. I don't hate any of the characters, but she just doesn't she's just like, you know, the upstart princess who's the main love interest of our hero who is a silent protagonist. That's not real interesting to right. me. Like, everybody else seems to have a more interesting and more engaging narrative and have, like, a, a kind of internal growth that happens. And she does, too, but, like, it just doesn't feel um, as in-depth mm. as some of the other characters, so. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, you mentioned earlier, like, about the difficulty of this game. I think the difficulty of this game is pretty good as long as you, as long as you, as long as you don't, like try to really take things too much uh, like out of the suggested sequence and as long as you, you um, as long as you actually like you know like fight a lot like, uh, um you know to keep your levels up the the, the pacing of the, the pacing of this game as far as the difficulty whatnot i think it's like pretty balanced um i forgot though playing this game again this time man there are a lot of boss fights yeah <laughs> there are a lot uh, of boss fights but boy like i remember when i first played this game how often I like how long it took to fight Magus the first time oh, because yeah. like yep. later on when you go through new game plus a million times because like I you know I played the original game I played through once regular and then of course just lots and lots of new game plus I don't think I did a vanilla run through of that game ever after that first time so <laughs> I, I until going back and playing it again I'm like wow yeah I remember this was like a really long boss fight it just takes so much time you know and uh, I don't know if that's just because like I don't like I it's not that I avoid battles but I also don't go and grind I don't like mm. grinding so I don't know if that's the thing or if it's because of how many items I have or, you know, if it's just it always takes that long. Um, I know you didn't get to that fight, Joe, although you did when you were fighting against Lavos. Uh, but, but Greg, how was the Magus fight for you when you were playing through? Uh, the first time back in 98, I remember that being a very difficult fight. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely, um, I definitely, I definitely abused save states a little bit in trying to do that <laughs> fight. Um, this, this time around, not that bad. I was like better prepared. I knew what to do with, uh, uh, time around. So, um, it, it, it is still basically a challenging fight. I think that's that, I think that thinks the fight where people, where people who basically, because the temptation, the temptation just to run past enemies to advance the plot is tempting because I'm having the same problem with Drag Race 11 because it's like, at least, at least at random battles, if you fight the random battles, you're usually you're usually appropriately leveled up for whatever the game posits you. In games like this or Dragon Quest XI or whatever, where you get to avoid battles, I'm more in the mindset of like, okay, I'll just skip past this area because I want to get on the plot, and then I'm like, oh crap, I need to go like go spend an hour or two grinding up to shake up my levels. Up. See, so, and I'm the opposite. Um, like I know going into an RPG, like it's gonna get grindy <laughs> at some point. So, like, uh -huh. I am, like, especially at the beginning, uh, like, the first two hours of playing an RPG, I'm like, oh, you move, let me attack you. Like, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. same thing, like, I'm playing through, yeah. you know, Dragon Quest Eleven as well. It's like, anything that moves, I'm just like, yes, I'm swinging my sword at you. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I just kind of, um, I, I don't skip fights. I do all the fights that are in the path, you know, like, if there's a little guy on the screen, I will fight him you know in chrono trigger but like uh i don't go back through areas over and over again and you right. know, do 
you know, farming for items or things like that. And like, I probably if I did that at least a little bit, it would make that, you know, a little bit smoother. But the good thing about Chrono Trigger, at least for me, is that it is an RPG that is designed specifically so that you do not really have to do any grinding. So like, it's possible to go through the game. And as long as you're not skipping battles along the way, you can get through yeah. the game, you know? Yeah. So, let's talk about some of the ports a little bit here. Um, hmm. I, uh, I think, I think, I, I, I think I'm the only one here who has the, I, I, the only one here who has experienced experienced like the like, version of the game. Um, Negative. Uh, yeah. That was my first experience. But, oh really? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, yeah. So that game was included with Final Fantasy IV um, as part of like uh, a compilation of uh, um, uh, like Final Fantasy, Fantasy Chronicles. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it's like. And you know, like Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger on that system is fine. It, they, they had they had, they had they had some enhancements, which are also present in later versions of the game as well. Also, mm. but the emulator that they used for the game, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not really sure if it was the emulator or just simply like the pe the people working on it really didn't care. But but that version of the game, man, man, it it it, uh, it has low times. It has bad low times. But I mean, not to the point of the game being unplayable because it is like perfectly playable. But it's like it's, it's like every time you go into a menu or you want to like do a fight or whatever, there's a couple seconds of like low time on the game. Yep. So you know, over time it adds up to probably an extra like hour or two to spend like waiting for things to happen. So um, a little bit shoddy with the porting there on the PlayStation, but um, so I never really played the version very much, very much because of that. Because I'm like, yeah, what do they do to this? Yeah. But um, but yeah, that was one of the first uh, experiences where I had where like you know I I had it and uh, I played what, like, maybe 30 minutes of it. It's one of those, like, went to the festival, bumped in the Marla, you know, got to, like, the Luca point, and then, like, once you're in the past, I went through, like, started to go through the forest, something right. came up, shut the game off, and then just never went back to it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very glad Square decided later on to make a uh, that Square decided later on like to make a totally new version of the game for the like the DS. Yeah. So, um, which I had I, I had that version of the game back then. I wish I had it now still because that's a very expensive version of the game. Yes. But <laughs> I mean, like the Super Nintendo version of the game holds the value pretty well, but the DS version is like very expensive these days. But luckily for us, uh, they later they later ported that DS version of the game also to phones uh, and also to <laughs> and also Steam because Jawa I, I know. Um, I know you play, so I know you played the mobile version. Uh, Joe and I played the play the Steam version. They're both, um, mm -hmm. you know, both the versions are still currently on sale. Mo right now, mobile's like mobile's like ten dollars. Steam's like fifteen dollars. So, um, but they, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they really added a lot of stuff on this the, the, the version of the game. The, the version of the game it had the cutscenes. They also they, they also added in like a, a default run option, which is nice. Um, you know, without you know without cleaning. You know, it's map screen, um, you know, option choose between the control schemes. Just basically a lot of, like, what I call modern enhancements. What, what somebody playing um, what somebody playing a, a game these, these, days, these days now in 2021 expects, like, for a game. So a lot of it just, like, you know, updating updating the game from the for, 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 for 95 mentality to, like, a more user-friendly experience, which I experience, experience this day, um, which I really appreciate. And, you know, there's also, like, some... Um, you know, uh, there's also like there's also a monster battling arena you can do for some fun, two new areas, a uh, new ending of the game. But um, they also they also did a uh, uh, they also they also they also did a brand new translation of the game. And they, uh, 
Joe, I don't remember the translation of this game being that bad. It was actually like a very good translation it, of the game, I thought. But so I was surprised uh, they, they did that. They changed. They took a lot of liberties. Yeah. Um, so. Like, say for example, the way that Frog speaks in the um, original translation, he has basically a pseudo Shakespearean yes. English. Yeah. Thing, but nobody else in his time period speaks like that. And when he was younger, he didn't speak like that. It was only when he was as frog that he had that, which makes no sense. So uh, in the original Japanese, he actually speaks really, you know, exceptionally roughly and is is impolite, you know, okay. in like rougher, rougher speech. Um, so in the remake that they did, he has antiquated but still a little bit more modernized English, and yes. he doesn't have the kind of accent that he does uh, as he, you know, from the first translation of it. And also a lot of the translation changes uh, were things like, for example, having to do with Nintendo's um, guidelines. Yes. Like say, for example, in the past when they were going at the party and having the drinking contest, it was a drinking contest, but in the original translation, they changed it to soup. You know, they're drinking soup, not alcohol. We don't do alcohol on Nintendo, you know, and that kind of thing. So, like, they, they changed a bunch of stuff like that just because of the Nintendo of America guidelines and things like that. So, um, I prefer the new translation. It's better. Uh, it's definitely better. It's more in line with what they were, what they were originally doing. So, how does the game play on mobile for you, John? Because, like... Somebody's like, I right? imagine a game like this is like, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like a bit hard to control, but so I'm kind of curious no. to, um, so, oh. No, no, it, it's just fine. I'm okay. having, I have had no problems playing it on mobile at all. Cool. Um, okay. Just because like, I don't know, like uh, a lot of the on the field map battles, I just turned on auto battle. I didn't have to worry <laughs> about tappa tappa tapping because like yep. it's. You don't need to worry about that for most of them, unless there's ones that you have to use ma a certain type of attack or something sure. magic yep. or yep. something. Um, so yeah, like I didn't have to worry about that, and yeah, it plays just fine. Easy to screenshot, easy to make comments on on Twitter because that's my fanatic yep. thing to do. <laughs> so yeah, at a certain point, I stopped because it was just like that takes too much time away. <laughs> I need to finish playing this game, yeah. so whatever. But you know. Yeah, uh, the Steam port of this game when it came out was very buggy because it had some several issues with it as Joe already previously mentioned. But actually, Square Enix, to their credit, they released a bunch of patches for it. And like, you know, now yeah, the five patches. Of, yeah. Yeah, so now the Steam version of the game like, plays very well. I um, mean, I rather like it a lot. The only the, 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 the only real complaint I have about the Steam version of the game, and John, uh, John I'm curious to know if you feel the same way about the mobile version of the game. Because the because because it was because it was, because it was originally designed for the DS, um, the uh, the dialogue boxes and the text is the, the text was, uh, it was reshaped to fit the DS screens better. So on a bigger screen like a mobile a mobile, mobile computer, I found the text to be kind of um, the text of the game you know kind of be on the small side uh, small side like a bit hard to read. So mm -mm. Um, no, the text was not hard to read on mine at all. Although I will say that. Uh, the sheer volume of responses to my tweets with screenshots of the game had, of, where people were just like, this is an atrocity that they, you know, updated the... Because they, they made the text look like streamlined and clean and, and like a, you know, a modern type of thing rather sure. than looking in-engine 16-bit era looking text. And that 
bothers so many people. I'm like, I I can see it. I understand. Like it, it's, yeah. you know, I, I see it. I don't care about it. I'm not invested Speaking in Speaking about Final Fantasy again, that's what fans are going yeah, yeah, yeah. through these the days. That's the same like, thing. Like new version of the game. So, but. Yes, that's the <laughs> same thing that they're fussing about with that too. And like, I understand. I, I'm not saying that that's an invalid thing, but... Um, I don't personally care, so it's fine. But no, like on mobile, it's fine. I have no problem with the text size. So there were two, um, I guess, pseudo sequels. Sequels? I'm not really sure. Um, so I'm not really sure if they call them like you know, true sequels in this game. Um, there were um, so it came out. Radical Dreamers and Chrono Cross. Uh, Radical Dreamers. I played an emulation several years ago. It's like a side story of the game, basically. It's like um, you just taste the. Um, it just takes some of the characters, some of the locations of Chrono Trigger, um, to sort of like Chrono Trigger and just like advance, advance with them. It never got released in the West. There were plans to release it with the PlayStation version of the game, but that never actually happened, unfortunately. But um, there has the, uh, um, you know, but there's a fan translated, translated version of the game floating out there that somebody can check out if you want to. It, um, it's fairly short. Like, if you're a big fan of the game, I highly recommend checking it out because it's fun. Um, uh, Chrono Cross is interesting because it's like it takes it takes it takes a lot of the same ideas and some of the same um, concepts of Chrono, of Chrono Trigger, but kind of, um, you know, like you know, like the gameplay and the time travel and whatnot, but kind of goes a whole, you know, totally different direction. Um, Joe, I know you said earlier that you really didn't care for it that much. Uh, do you have any experience at all with like the game, Joe? Nope, I never played Chrono Cross. Yeah, I beat the game when it first came out. Um, it's fine. I think it's a good game. Uh, I don't, um, you know, like I think, I, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think better the game than like than like Joe does because um, the opening of the game is very, very strong. It's super strong because it's like you start off. It's like you know, again, you have like your uh, you know, like sound protagonist who lives in a, who has a quiet, a quiet life in the village, in the village, and just like one day, all of a sudden. He wakes up and he finds himself just suddenly like you know, which seems to be the same. It seems to be the same location, but he goes in the back of town. It's like nobody knows who he is. It's mm. like all of a sudden he doesn't exist anymore. And then you find out later on that, you know, like you're dead. Like you actually like, go to your grave site. And, like, um, so, like, and, and, and um, you know, that's a very powerful way to open up a game. But um, the plot of the game after that point kind of falls flat for me a little bit in some areas. It's just not as good as Chrono Trigger is. I think anybody who enjoys Chrono Trigger will enjoy Chrono Cross, but. Um, it doesn't, but it doesn't have the same charm, I guess, that the original game does. Flair might be the best way to describe yeah. it. So, um, but, um, but anyway, so, um, and there have been several fan attempts to make a new Chrono Trigger game uh, <laughs> over the years, but which Square's, which Square has been very zealously protecting with like cease and desist orders. Um, but, mm-hmm. but one of them actually is still out there. Is still out there that. It, it's still out there for download. You can find or if they, they, you find them play Crimson you want Echoes. to. But yeah, mm-hmm. but so that, but it's like and like, it's strange. We've probably been keeping up on this topic like for a couple minutes uh, because it's like, I understand a company wanting to protect its trademark because after all, this game is still like available for sale and whatnot. So, but at the same time, Square, but at the same time, Square Enix repeatedly said over the years they're not going to make a new like current game. But you know, they, yeah. uh, because anytime, because anytime that. Because anytime I talk about doing it, they've always ended up rolling over those ideas, concepts, like a slightly different game that they made. So, mm-hmm. um, they're obviously not going to make a new game. It's like, you know, why? I, I, I just wish they weren't so, like, super zealous as far as, like, you know, like trying to stamp down people's efforts um, uh, uh, for franchise that they're, that they're clearly not interested in, like, anymore, except for, like, you know, like, trying to, like, you know, print money out of that right. uh, at, at this point. Yeah, milk but, the IP for all of its exactly. nostalgia. So, but, <laughs> I mean, I mean, so they're not, I mean, so they're, I mean, so they're not as bad as Nintendo is, because Nintendo's so super zealous with all their stuff, but at the same time, 
you know, to give you another example of a company doing this, um, well, two, two examples of a company doing this right, um, there's a franchise, there's, there's another franchise I love called Wing Commander, which is like, which is a space sim uh, game, uh, basically like you, uh, which is well known for having like a very, like a very deep, a deep plot as well as like, like very fun gameplay. Um, that there's not been a, there's there's not there's not been a, a new wing, a wing commander game out for like over ten years at this point and like you know the rights the rights to franchise the rights to franchise are not currently held by Electronic Arts and you think of all companies because he has, he has, he has reputation his reputation like being like very evil um, so you think about so you think about companies that they'd be very jealous to protect the copyright but actually uh, some fans released a, a new wing commander game a couple years ago with a new engine and whatnot and uh, 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 um, he is just like it's like, meh, we know about the game. We're not going to make a new game in the franchise. You'll have at it. But, so, like, they, uh, like, some, like, uh, as they actually, like, don't care. Then, just, and, and, like, then just give another example. Um, somebody at Microsoft, uh, made a, made a Halo-inspired game for the Atari, like, Atari, like, the Atari 2600. And, like, and Microsoft's like, you're making a, and, 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 yeah, Microsoft's like you're making a Halo game for a system that's been, for a system that's been out, out the market for out the market for like 30 years now. Like, psh, like we don't care. Like, right. like have at it. But so it's like it's funny to see how companies handle this like different ways over the years. But so, um, yeah, it's like you know, I, I, it's like you know, I really wish. Ob- obviously, obviously, there's still, as Dijon mentioned, obviously there's still a very, a very passionate fan base out there like this yeah, game. So absolutely. I think Square could do things to milk that in a more productive way if they wanted to, which unfortunately, which unfortunately they don't care about because they do some things right. I mean, like you know, they're under no obligation to fix the Steam version of the game, so you know that was cool. But at the same time, at the same time, at the same time, you look at this and you're like doing like face palm. Yeah. But, I feel like Final Fantasy VII is their sole focus at this moment. They're trying to pump out the rest of that yeah. remake. And yeah. what we get after that, I think, is where it'll be interesting to see where they change their focus, whether they start creating a new IP or if they're going to try to revisit some other older stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, you know, well, you know they have already announced Dragon Quest Twelve, so we know that's coming. And I've also, you know, um, so I've also heard teasers of Sega Final Fantasy Sixteen. So, um, you know, obviously, 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 those are Square Enix's bread and butter franchises. Right, so, of course, right. we're gonna, like keep milking those. But, uh, but yeah, but yeah, beyond that, it would be fun to see like what they go to next, like for sure. So, um, but anyway, um, so yeah, so Joe, do you have any thoughts uh, either way about the mobile version of the game, like good, bad, like you, um, you know, you know, do you think it's superior to the original version of the game? Uh, I say it is a serviceable version of the game. Um, Playing it on the original system is usually the best way to go. <laughs> Although, like, so I, I'm betting that it probably um, felt best, like the remake version, because this is the remake version on the mobile, uh, probably felt best on the actual DS, but I wasn't about to go hunt down the cart and try to try to buy that cart at this juncture, so I was like, nope, eh, mobile, That we will do mobile, that's fine, so... <laughs> Um, no, it's it's serviceable. Uh, I don't think that there's anything particularly you know bad about it. Um, having the little control thing, control pad pop up on the screen doesn't bother me. Um, you know, it doesn't get in the way of anything important. So, because like uh, your um, fight fight sequences and stuff don't involve using the D-pad. You just like tap on the menu. Uh, with your finger wherever you need to be tapping, so you know it's it goes away when it needs to go away, if you will. Right. So, 
So yeah, it works just fine. Okay, cool. But uh, but but anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, it was very fun going back to Chrono Trigger again after all these years because like you know I think the game still holds up very well, but um, it's just like, like I said before, I think that um, so I think this game so I, like so I think this game personally is a bit overhyped. Um, you know I think it's a very very good game. I don't think it's a, uh, like, you know, I don't, like you know I don't think it's the best the best the best RPG made. I don't uh, I, I don't really think it's the best JRPG. Like the system personally, but um, that said, I do, I do. That said, I do think the game holds up, holds up pretty well, and I and it holds well. And like you know, it's hard, Joe. Like I said before, it's hard. It, it, it's very hard to divorce. It's very hard to divorce the nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. Game, but so, um, but I, there. But it's a but, but but still, it's like you know, there's there's so much of this game, so much of this game that was either new or the game proved upon when it came out in '95. It's still being done today in 2021. So it's like this game is really groundbreaking mm -hmm. in many ways. Yeah. So yeah, this this game more than being, you know, uh, hands down the best, whatever <laughs> JRPG or whatever category you want to put it in, I would rather reshape that and say that it is a very influential and uh, innovative game like yeah. it it was uh, the iterations mm -hmm. that they were doing in this game if they were not the first iterations they were a fine-tuning of a lot of uh systems stuff so um you know i think that 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 is a better way to frame uh, that i personally. agree but uh um yeah so joe so um i know you said that you were a little bit underwhelmed with this game but i totally understand the arguments for it um but but curiously curiously you did say that you are interested in going back into the game at some point huh? yeah I, I plan on continuing um, my adventure for sure. I actually, when I before I went to go fight uh, Lavos this morning, I made sure that I made a separate save so that I have my original save where I'm at the end of time, and then I have a, the second save where I I'm in the middle of the you know first fight with Lavos. So yeah. I mean, I do plan on going back. Whether I will be able to complete that this year, we'll see. But. Um, yeah, I think uh, when we finally do our uh, yearly roundup at the end of the year, um, I'm, I'm hoping that I can at least say that I'm at least a little further in the game. <laughs> <laughs> just getting one yeah, ending like my book is fine because you can watch it there and it's like on YouTube these days. Yeah, anyway, very so true. Like, and know, and I told Jala before we started recording, <laughs> I did you know watch some of the full motion video endings, you know. So it's like I know that you know Chrono gets married to Mila and all that other stuff. So it's like you know. The, yeah. And it's nothing that's spoiler because, like, duh, that's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> uh, for uh. sure. And for me, the the reason I decided to get the mobile version was because the propensity for me to open up Steam and then promptly get lost in my my library and never <laughs> go back to playing whatever I was last playing is very high. But on my phone, I'll be like, oh, I've got Chrono Trigger. I'm sitting in a line. I'll play a little bit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to just pull it up and it bookmarks. The bookmark so is great. If you were in yeah. the middle of, yeah, you, you can get back to it right away. So if you close out of it and don't haven't gotten to a save point, it's fine. Yeah. So... That's great, and like having it on my mobile, I have it whenever, so I can just kind of play it in yep. between things as well, and then not feel bad about I haven't gotten mm -hmm. to a save point. It's it's saved. It's fine. So, Joe, so. Uh, how do you think the game holds up for you today, playing it now compared to your compared to earlier experiences with? And do you have a favorite ending? Uh, so I was really expecting like to go back to this and be like, oh, that's not this isn't as good as I remembered it, this being or whatever, but it actually ends up holding up pretty well. Like I, 
a lot of my experiences this time around um, are you know mirrored by the ones that I had previously. So that's like what 20 some odd years ago, you know, 20 plus years ago that I was playing it before and I come back to this game and it still feels pretty much like it did the first time, even though I know what's happening, what's going to happen next and things like that. It's kind of more, it translates from not knowing to having anticipation for the parts that I like coming up and things like that. Um, overall, uh, I think the best way for me to frame it now is that because games have come so far in the last 20 whatever years since this game came out, um, it's fun to revisit it because I had played it so long ago, but if you are playing it fresh now, you've seen so much of what this game is doing elsewhere that unless you are specifically looking at it in terms of the time frame that it was released and just appreciating it for, you know, like that element of, of, you know, the kind of dynamic setting that it came from, then you're not going to necessarily enjoy this any greater than you are any other RPG that you're going to be playing, you know, that's extant or whatever. There's some indie games that I think are shorter and have simpler mechanics, but are way more impactful than this one, for example. So mm. it's not like this one is the you know ultimate example of a whatever, <laughs> but it does still hold up as a super fun game. And especially if you are looking at the time frame that it comes from, it was very notable at its time. So um, I definitely understand both camps where people either are like, it's okay or whatever or it's a really really fun game or it, even if if someone says it is my favorite game i understand why you're saying that and great more power to you whatever it is you know enjoy it you are free to enjoy or not enjoy as as you are inclined um i do think though that um you know it is definitely hyped up i it's hyped up more than i think it's warranted but it's mostly because of that impact that it had on games after that you know like it it was very innovative in a lot of ways and um really kind of started a, a kind of new mode of game making so hmm. i mean like in a lot of ways it even kind of was one of the games that kind of brought a feeling of an open world video game even though it wasn't open world you know because yeah. it allowed for more you definitely get that illusion because of time travel aspect, yes. Yes, so like it, it has a little bit of that feel too, even though they couldn't actually make it an open world game. So, you know, uh, very fun, very cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, just a, just a, just a, just a last question. Do you have a favorite ending? Um, not really. Uh, I, I don't. Because, like, uh, even the, you know, super happy ending where, you know, like, okay, Robo is together and then everybody's together with everybody and whatever. Like, even those endings, like, I don't know, they feel, like, obligatory, you know? Uh, it's like, oh, they have to have a happy ending that does this, you know? Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I especially since this game is so timey-wimey and then Chrono Cross, it plays with parallel dimensions and so so does Radical Dreamers, right? Like, yes. isn't that, yep. like, supposed to be, like, a parallel yep. universe or something? Like, they all kind of exist in my head as, as being, head, you know, true headcanon. These are all just different parallel versions, and I can't really say that I prefer one. Yeah, I agree mostly with that. Uh, I, like, I would give a slight nod to the ending in which, like, 
Cronus' mother and cat accidentally, accidentally goes into the time. To, um, yeah, that's fun. That's time fun. Because like, because like that cat actually helps you with the boss fight <laughs> in the game. So yeah, like, it, does. Know, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you well, know. and then it's 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 so funny too because like your mom jumps into the portal and then I'm like, oh no, and then Chrono's just like, yes, because he's like, adventure, you know, like, okay, that's your mom, dude. I, th you know? I think it's one of the reasons I like that ending like so much, yeah, because it's kind of like open-ended, but, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, Joe, do you have any, so Joe, like, do you have any final thoughts about the no, like I said, I'm going to end up going back to it. Um, this is more a first look than a strong final opinion. And uh, I hope that, like I said, in six years we could revisit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal. Yeah. yeah, I probably will at that point. But, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, we didn't plan the timing of this, but as the timing of this, uh, timing of this, like the, like the final side note, because it turns out uh, another, so another video game podcast that Jaro and I listen to called Watch Our Fireballs is actually going to be covering this game also later on this month, uh, and they're going to be doing a uh, like an in-depth walkthrough of the game and talking about the game in much greater content than even we took covered it. So if you like, so if you're a fan of the game, definitely, uh, um, you definitely keep an eye out like that podcast, that podcast that drops out, finally drops later on this month. So. Um, so this is going to be a lot of, a lot of Chrono Trigger coverage for you, the flight of fans out there. So hope that makes you all happy. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, Joe, it was great to have you on the podcast. You know, it was awesome to finally, um, finally have you on here to talk about this game that you, um, to talk about this game that you love so much. And like, you know, uh, thank you again, as I said before, for taking time on your busy schedule to come on here. So, um, I don't know if you have any, uh, so I don't know if you have affection for any other Super NES game to the point we want to come on the, pod, the podcast in the future. But you know, if you ever want to, you know, you, I mean, the invite's always open for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned earlier some of the podcasting, some of the podcasts that did, some of the podcasts that you did before. Uh, where can people, where can people find your podcast, your podcast, uh, uh, podcast that or anything or anything else or um, anything else that you're working on currently that you want to plug? Sure. So you can find my podcast at thelevelpodcast.com. You can also go to duckfeed.tv and see the entire network of shows. Um, insofar as other stuff that I'm working on, uh, I pop on to Monster Deer Monster podcast every once in a while. That one is mo monsterdeer.monster is where you can find that on the internet. And otherwise, uh, just continue to enjoy the SNES podcast with Joe and Greg. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Joe, where can they find you at? You can find me on Twitter at J-O-E-S-U-X-3-0. And obviously, I have a very public Facebook. <laughs> yes. Yep, speaking... Yeah, speak on Facebook. Uh, that's one way you can contact us because we have a group on there. You can also send me an email directly if you want to at the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. At, at yahoo um, I recently had a problem. A problem. I recently had a problem with the account where it got locked up and I lost a lot of messages. So, uh, if you send any, if, if you send any comments, comments, or feedback or whatever recently, please send it again. I do apologize. I apologize about the tech issue, but um, so, but yeah. So, I have some feedback that's already come through, but because this episode's already running a bit long, we'll see that feedback the feedback for next time so speak with so yeah, speak by next time uh we're going to be having another guest host as, as i mentioned before uh will uh from the television sorry like the televisionaries podcast who's also been on here in the past uh talking about talking about talking about one of his favorite games and, and, and a game can a game i've not played for a very very long time <laughs> uh super adventure island so 
Uh, I was a big fan of the NES ones. Did not spend a lot of time with the Super NES one. Jody, did you have any experience with that uh, game at all? I'm my experience is much like yours. Uh, I played all three for the uh, regular Nintendo. I actually played the ones on the Game Boy. And uh, I even Ooh, played the, okay. the ones on the Master System. But uh, <laughs> that's right. There was one over there. I but one. yeah, uh, yeah and I have played Super Adventure Island at least once, and at least for more than a half hour. So um, I yes. do remember some of it, but it's definitely going to be fun to go back and uh, replay this game. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially after covering like media. Yeah, especially after covering like media RPGs. Oh, yeah, I was going to say playing two RPGs back to back. <laughs> I am looking forward to like the the platformer. <laughs> we didn't plan that way. Just like, you know, like. Yeah, no, we didn't plan that way. Just like, you know, Jawa told us when she was available. And I'm like, okay, we'll change <laughs> yep. this around. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Okay, but anyway, but awesome. So, um, yeah, thank you again, Jawa. Uh, once again, thank you. Uh, um, I thank you very much for being on the podcast yes, for thank this. You. Thank you. And I, I forgot to give my Twitter handle. You can find me on the internet in places I am Jala Chan. Yeah, she's very chatty. And I, 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 like on there, she definitely, <laughs> like, definitely go check that out if you want, like, you know, like thoughts, uh, like thoughts on a lot of topics. So, but... <laughs> but all right um thank you again everybody for this podcast um you know and uh and yeah uh, we always appreciate your support uh stay safe stay, stay safe out there take care everybody and we'll talk to you again soon bye all. bye hello this is jala again from the level podcast and i wanted to add a little bit more commentary about the discussion of Chrono Trigger versus other video games and how uh, the focus of Chrono Trigger on the events that transpire versus the focus of something, say, for example, like Lunar, which I mentioned during the episode, uh, where Lunar is more character-driven and character-interaction-driven, where that presentation really will alter the degree to which any particular story will stick with you. For example, I like both of these games quite a bit. They're both of my favorite video games of all time list. However, if I'm meeting somebody for the first time and I'm talking to them about video games that I feel were impactful to me, um, you know, in my life that really stick with me, I will pull up Lunar immediately and start showing them some of the cutscenes and things from that game and talking about things that happen during the narrative and the choices that the characters make, particularly uh, in the case of Alex and Luna, the main characters of the first game, and of Hiro and Lucia, the main characters from the second game. But when it comes to Chrono Trigger, even though the story is fun and even though the characters do have some development and do experience some degree of growth throughout the game, um, I don't end up bringing that one up like, oh yeah, that one is definitely one that really you know, impacted me um, greatly. Uh, it's very, very fun to play. It is something that I probably revisited far more than I played Lunar over again, just because the gameplay is such that it is designed for you to continually revisit the game. But narratively speaking, uh, I have more affection for Lunar, even though Lunar is by no means innovative when it comes to the genre of JRPGs. About the only thing that it happened to do that is now a standard thing is it put a lot of emphasis on cutscenes and, you know, uh, the cinematography of uh, what they were trying to convey. 
and Chrono Trigger has that with the original um, sprite art to the degree that they had capacity to put it in there. And they did later on add those little bits of cutscenes into the DS version, but they were limited in how many they could add because of the size of the cartridges they could make for the DS. So, um, you know, like that is just kind of a product of what system that game came out on. But at the same time, um, that kind of a thing, along with various other elements, like... um, Final Fantasy games have a different way of approaching the narrative than the way that Chrono Trigger does. And just depending upon what elements of a game really stand out to you as being the most important, that will really kind of dictate where Chrono Trigger falls for you personally uh, in the kind of uh, hierarchy of JRPGs that came out at the time or since or ever. So uh, that was just an additional comment that I really wished that I would have remembered to say during the episode because that would have been great for discussion. So anyway, if you have any commentary about that subject, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Jalachan. Hi everybody, Chris from the Stone Age Gamer Podcast here, and uh, oh boy, Chrono Trigger. So I was supposed to be on this episode actually with you guys, and oh, I'm super bummed my schedule didn't work out because I love, love, love talking about Chrono Trigger. It's one of my absolute all-time favorite games, and uh, with the... It's pretty interesting actually because I was never into turn-based RPGs before this game. I always thought that they were kind of ridiculous. I just couldn't wrap my head around them. I, I was silly enough. I was uh, always bothered by the fact that whenever you get into a fight, it goes to like this whole separate screen like you're warped to another world to have the fight and obviously I got over that as I as like as I got older, but Man, when this game came out and you just did the fighting right there, it was kind of amazing. I also was just getting into Dragon Ball at the time, so Akira Toriyama's artwork was really at the forefront of my mind. And um, there was just something gorgeous about this game. Everything about it was so amazingly... The the graphics were incredible, the music was unfathomably good, uh, and me being a diehard console warrior at the time. This was a real feather in the cap for us Super Nintendo fans uh, over to, to lord over the kids at the Sega Genesis lunch table. Um, but yeah, man, this was the first game where, where turn-based stuff really clicked for me. I, I started with Dragon Warrior on NES. I played a tiny bit of Final Fantasy. Uh, I tried Final Fantasy 2 II and 3 when they came out on Super NES, but this was the one that... that that actually made me understand that those kinds of games can be good. Uh, and then I, you know, bridged into going back and doing stuff like Final Fantasy 3 slash 6 or whatever you want to call it. But Chrono Trigger's been the one that's that's stuck with me the longest. I try to replay it as often as I can, and it's been way too long since I've actually replayed this game. And, uh, and so much so that when the sequel came out, when Chrono Cross came out, um, I was working at Funko Land at the time, and I took a week's vacation just to play Chrono Cross which was ultimately not worth it. I don't... I know some people love Chrono Cross, and I understand the reasons why, but it was not anything at all what I wanted out of a, a Chrono Trigger sequel. Um, yeah, the Super NES version is still my favorite. Uh, pe- people love the DS one, but the DS one includes this, uh, like, extra ending thing where you get to, you know, Omega's tracks down Shala, and, uh, well, I don't like that ending very much because, you know... 
there's no happy ending. And I want that to be a happy ending, doggone it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Chrono Trigger, it's, it's incredible. I could just ramble on and on about all of my time with the game and my favorite things about it and all the multiple endings and, you know, the, the, the music. Oh, I could just keep talking about the music uh, forever and ever and ever. Um, and in fact, I did. We did, a, we did a couple episodes on the music of Chrono Trigger on my game music podcast way back a while back. So I'll, uh, yeah, look those up. Those are a good time. If you want to hear, if you really want to hear me ramble about Chrono Trigger more than this, then uh, then then go ahead and do that. Otherwise, uh, again, I'm sorry I missed the episode, but uh, thanks for including my audio submission, and I will talk to you guys later. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep of power.